Hello and welcome to Talent Talks. My name is David Allison. The idea of these webinars and podcasts is to help provide an insight into the changing world of work. It's a conversation with those responsible for recruiting into companies large and small uh, in sectors and in regions all over the country. We'll be exploring some of the many changes that are happening around us today and even bigger changes that are going to come in the next few years as we grapple not only with recovery from the pandemic, but also the new working patterns and the huge impact that automation is going to have on all of us. So my guests today are Yaz and Melissa from Cisco. Now, Cisco is a brand that you may not be totally familiar with from the high street, but it is one of the biggest technology organisations in the world. At its very heart is the idea that technology should power an inclusive future. In fact, I'd almost guarantee that in listening or watching this interview, the data will be passing through lots of Cisco created and managed infrastructure. So from networks to wireless, security, data center, analytics, software, including WebEx, Cisco is at the heart of many organizations and government's infrastructure. So before we hear more about the world of Cisco, let's meet Yaz and Melissa. Yaz and Melissa, welcome to Talent Talks. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you, David. Pleasure to be here. Fantastic. So, Yaz, let me um, come to you first of all. Um, you're the Apprenticeship Programme Leader at Cisco. And I suspect, though, looking at your background, a career in technology wasn't necessarily what you always wanted to do. In fact, I think your, your degree is in English Literature and Creative Writing. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. So I had a really interesting start to my career. Um, so I... English lit student, which meant that what I loved doing was I was hungry for information, hungry for knowledge, and actually loved reading the subtext. And that's something that I really learned about myself. So I'd see something on paper, and I'd want to see what was behind that and what it all meant. Um, I got very, very interested in behavior and why people act the way that they do. But it was never really from a psychology point of view. It was more from a... Um, kind of like what external forces make people act the way that they do. And so my time through my degree, um, I really enjoyed. And if I'm really honest with you, I had my master's place set for after my graduate degree. And about a week before graduation, I woke up and just said, I don't, don't want to go do my master's. I don't want to spend another year kind of in the world of theory. I actually, my plan was to do my master's in education because I was so interested about the power of education and how it how education can change the way people behave and do things so I kind of just said I want to learn how it works in the real world and so I remember bravely facing my parents and telling them that my plans for next year were going to completely blow up and that I wanted to go work in the real world and they were like what do you want to do and I was like I want to work in education in the private sector and, and see how people do this in business um and basically, there isn't an elaborate story behind it. I googled the top 10 learning providers in the UK and I called the top five um, and told them that they needed to consider me for whatever early in career program that they had. Um, and, you know, went to a few graduate assessment centres. Um, one of them was actually the day after I'd had this epiphany. And it was with that company that I started my career in learning and development. And 
I spent 11 years working within learning and development, predominantly in the technical uh, sector. And I think the tech sector drew me because I think I grasped about a couple of years into my education that you don't need to be technical, don't need to be a coder or an engineer to claim a career in technology. Um, and that was almost liberating in itself. Um, and actually saw there was an opportunity for people that aren't technical, but that understand how to land messages and work with people and read the subtext because technology is only as good as the, the people's understanding of how they're using it. And to me, there was something very human about that. Um, so, yeah, there, there kind of became my interest in learning and development and technology. And then I was lucky enough to join Cisco last year to be a part of the apprenticeship programme. What a fantastic story. And it's amazing, isn't it, how careers somehow never quite follow that simple and easy path. Um, I'm, I'm an engineer who also landed up in learning and development and education. And, and it's for me, it's a passion, too. So understanding that passions don't always become, you know, they don't always come out of A-levels, do they? But we, we find mm -hmm. our way. Now, Melissa, you're at kind of you've just joined Cisco. Is it 2019? And you're on a degree apprenticeship at the moment. So a slightly different route. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us a little bit about that, though. How many of you are on the programme? What does it involve? Yep, so I'm on my second year of the apprenticeship, so I'm about a year and a half in, and in my cohort there are 35 of us, I want to say, there's so many of us, but we haven't seen each other recently, obviously, because we're in lockdown and working from home, but overall, in terms of our first to third years, I think there's about maybe 120, maybe Yasmin can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but there's quite a lot of us, but we're like one big family, I would say, um, we always do stuff when we're in the office, um, and even at the moment when we're not in the office, we're still always talking. So um, we're a big friendly bunch. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, that's a huge programme. It's the same as an undergraduate year in some ways in a kind of traditional university. That's brilliant. And Melissa, we're going to come back to you in a few minutes to hear more about um, your programme and what you're doing. Um, Yaz, I mean, I gave a very brief introduction to Cisco at the top of this, but maybe you could fill in some of the, the gaps for us. What, what's Cisco about? What's it like to work there? Yeah, so, you, you know, you weren't wrong when you said that it is very likely that everybody touches or comes into contact unknowingly with Cisco technology. Um, we were actually founded as a networking company, but I would say in its simplest form, two people needed to connect and share information and had to do that in a safe and reliable way. The concept of networking, Cisco was really born from that, um, David, and many mergers and acquisitions and portfolio kind of investments later, we now stand as, you know, the, the, the organization that made the worldwide network, the, the internet possible uh, through kind of local and global connections. Um, but not just a networking company, really, because actually what we do is use technology to make a difference or make an impact so we have a huge security portfolio because obviously if you're trading lots of information with lots of people in very complicated ways you need to make sure that at every level that information is protected and secure um, so there's a huge security portfolio there is an iot portfolio an internet of things which is all around um, i guess the way that i would describe it is digital transformation in urban areas how do we use our networking technology our data centers our collaboration technology, how do we combine all of that to help governments see data and information real time to predominantly improve the experience that citizens have in that area um, and, and, and in that city? So 
there's a lot that we do and perhaps the people kind of listening to this will recognize Cisco in more subtle ways in that if you're using Snapchat, Instagram, any form of social media, Netflix, if you are streaming anything, your your technology, uh, that technology rather is running through Cisco. And we're really proud of that. And we're not, a, as you say, we're not a retail, we're not a business to consumer the way that some other tech titans are, but we're very proud that actually almost every piece of technology involved in streaming runs through us. And I think, I mean, we've all become very aware of it, haven't we, through the pandemic, where many, many people have been forced to work from home. But actually working from home has also liberated a lot of people, families. I, mean, I, I spend a lot more time with my family now than I used to. Yeah. Do you think that the, the changes we've seen in the last few months are going to stick? In other words, have we got a, a new way of working that we're all going to have to get our heads around for the long term? Yeah, I think so. I think what the pandemic has taught us at Cisco is that there are different ways of doing our day job and that actually we can function and deliver what we do as a business without needing to be in front of each other. That actually being in the office provided social interactions that we need. So I think actually now as employers go into what kind of post-pandemic may look like, we've hit the realisation that we will go into, we will most likely go into the office to group together for certain things, for certain meetings where actually social interaction, understanding each other's body movements, tone, etc., is key. But actually, for the bulk of it, a lot of work can be done um, remotely. So we're going to look to give employees choice and a bit more variety so that actually we can plan better and juggle that work-life balance. Because now we know we don't need to physically be in the office. We do need to for certain teams, but we're, we're going to try and get very creative now about how we conduct our business. And I think that, that change you've described is a fundamental shift, isn't it? I, I sometimes find it interesting talking to schools and careers advisors particularly that the the advice that we would have been giving out five six years ago has really got to be transformed because the skills that young people will need for every stage of their journey into employment from interview through to day one on the job I mean it's a different skill set altogether isn't it I couldn't agree more so you know David we this time last year we were faced as a programme team with a decision of what do we do with our campaign? You know, the lockdown has just started. We're in the middle of open evenings and introducing people to Cisco and our offices. What do we do? And we decided to go ahead because it was like, no, we are Cisco. If we can't do this virtually, who can? Um, so we literally transformed everything. The assessment process was suddenly virtual. And then we onboarded 60 people, young people virtually. Um, and then we onboarded them into the program and, and, you know, began introducing to the role and the world of work virtually and to their degree of apprenticeship virtually. Um, and actually what we found, I mean, we, we, we onboarded 60 people. We call them our, our, our kind of our COVID cohort because they had got used to talking to us and representing themselves virtually, they have come into the business and know how to make their virtual presence known. They don't shy away. They're not on mute all the time. Their camera isn't switched off. We don't have to give them etiquettes on being virtual. They just got it and grasped it because they've known nothing else. And, you know, we were taken aback and actually really pleased that they settled in so well, so virtually. Um, 
but you're absolutely right. I would say as an employer now looking forward, um, some of those things that we now look for in people when hiring are going to be that resilience, that remote self-starter ability, uh, that ability to be virtually present um, without, you know, needing to always talk, but just your being aware of your body language and your kind of your view up from here and how that looks. And you're all of those things now we think about where we, we weren't necessarily before the pandemic. And, and Melissa, I mean, you've obviously stepped into this organisation at a very challenging time. But would you say that those are skills that you found it easy to transfer, if you like, into the world of work? Yeah, I definitely say they were quite easy because growing up, I've always used technology quite a lot. And I think I'm quite fortunate as well. Um using technology and coming into a company that um, technology is the forefront so adapting to it was quite easy and I think sometimes you know if we did need that help from our managers they would always be approachable for us so um, they helped us as well along the journey. That's good to hear and I do think that that's one of the challenges as well isn't it it's not just about the that the young people are joining an organisation but there's a whole bunch of new skills that managers need to to learn as well. Yes, is, is that your experience from the, the teams you were working with? Yeah, humbly, like humbly, like, we're, you know, every day is a learning day at Cisco. Um, but what the, the what the kind of pandemic taught us was, you know, as a manager, as a people leader, right, my degree, subtext, I'll ask how somebody's doing and they'll say, yeah, I'm fine. But I'll read behind that response and try to get to, you know, are they OK? You could do that really easily in an office. And, and now you can't. And now you almost have to. What, what, the biggest thing that we learned as people leaders was, Actually, somebody coming into the office, there is a clear delineation of leaving the work like home and work. There's a very there's a clear delineation there. And now, actually, when you were speaking to somebody, you had to be aware of what was happening at home that would potentially be impacting mood the work that they were doing and just how they were feeling generally, right? So we had to get better at understanding people's home situation and asking questions in a way that we really got to the heart of how they were feeling. Um, and you know what? Sometimes we didn't always have the answers. This was the hardest thing for me as a manager was that I, I could get on a call, I could feel the mood, the shift. There'd been a previous briefing that had meant we suddenly have to cancel our plans for the next month. And it impacted the mood and you can't force people to be happy, right? So we didn't even have the answers, but actually we tried to lead by asking questions and explaining that we didn't have the answers, but where the pandemic has taken away choice from people, we were trying where possible to give people choice within the limited realms that we had within work. Like, okay, you don't want to join that session? That's absolutely fine. Okay, you're sick of an, a Kahoot quiz? That's absolutely fine. Like, you know, just trying to be as flexible as possible without having the answers and the end in sight was difficult, but humbling. And I think it has been really interesting to see that despite some of the headlines that I guess we've all seen in the media, there are still lots of opportunities out there for for young people and particularly in the digital technology space where there is just just this huge growth so melissa let me kind of come to you and uh, put you on the spot a bit and find out you know how how you made that journey into into cisco yeah uh so about two years ago now it feels like a long time ago i was in sixth form um and i did geography sociology and ict uh, as my a levels and my um uh b and 
at the time I wanted to do geography I remember being in secondary school and I was like I'm going to become a geography teacher that was my passion and I loved it um and then it got to the point where we started applying for university and all of that and I think that's when it hit that university wasn't for me because I saw all of my friends writing their UCAS statements and um getting it checked by our uh, head of sixth form and sending them off and for me, I was already not motivated to write my UCAS form. And I think that was the first like red flag um, that I didn't want to go to university because if I didn't have that motivation to write the UCAS form, how would I be motivated to go there and go to all the lectures um, and have that, have that mindset? So I think from there, I was like, university is not for me. Um, so then after that, I didn't hand in my UCAS and my friends were like, what are you going to do, Melissa? And I'm, I was on the spot and, you know, I, I think at the time I was, wasn't embarrassed, but I was quite shy because I didn't know myself and what I wanted to do. And it's quite scary when everyone's getting offers from universities. Mm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll just get an apprenticeship out the top of my head, um, not knowing how competitive they were, not knowing like what sector I wanted to go into as well. Um, and I was quite fortunate because I did ICT and my teacher one day, she got an email from Cisco and they offer work experience. And the session that I did was um, a girls only because they really encourage girls getting into the IT sector. Um, and it was during my half term and I always, I worked every weekend um, whilst I was at sixth form. So when it was during half term, I was quite reluctant at first. I was like, this is my only time off. However, I really, really um, am glad I went because it's actually changed my life as such. So I went there and it was my first time seeing of corporate plays, all these fancy laptops and technology. And I didn't know who Cisco were um, at the time. I had to do my background research. Um, and at the end, I realized that it was such a lovely place. It was so welcoming. And even just being um, a work experience student, I really felt like part of the Cisco family, which was quite weird. Um, and then they explained that they did apprenticeships. And I was like, OK, this this seems good for me. Um, and they explained how it was a degree. So I would get my digital and technology solutions degree, which is what I'm doing now. Alongside getting work experience, you know, I'm in in loads of different roles, like actually like a Cisco's person, not just getting, you know, the tea and coffee, which you normally think of as an apprenticeship um, and I'm getting paid as well so everything all bundled into one literally ticked all my boxes and I think one of the factors as well for me was student debt and I, I personally love shopping so um, if I had student debt I think it would have held that back a bit um, but I'm quite lucky because because I get paid and I don't have that student debt I don't need to pay back anything so I, I get Ooh. to spend my money so I'm very glad that I found Cisco. I mean, that's a great story. And I'm, I'm interested because I think that there's still an awful lot of momentum behind full time degrees. Yeah. It's, you know, if you look, if you're a careers advisor or a, a parent, you don't go wrong if you encourage children to go to university to do a degree. But when I look at it in, in the cold light of day, my daughter is 16. She's going through the same kind of choices at the moment to, to do a, a degree apprenticeship where you are being paid. You're not running up debt. You're getting experience. You have paid holidays. It always strikes me that almost we're asking the wrong question because the, the question should be, why wouldn't you want to do a degree apprenticeship? Yeah, definitely. I think, I don't know, it was quite new to me. I didn't know degree apprenticeships were a thing literally until, I don't know, maybe this, literally this time last year when I had applied. Um, so I wish I knew about it sooner. I really don't think there is a downside to it. Maybe um, sometimes, you know, we have to juggle university and um, on our, on top of the work that we do at Cisco. So 
maybe we have to you know put in that bit of extra work behind um after hours because we have university deadlines we have to do that but i really don't think there's there's a downside to it and people may think that you know you miss out that student social life when you're um doing an apprenticeship but that that's completely not not the case um we have these things called fun funds at cisco um and normally you know when we're in the office we get we got to go out and go out for meals um and we got to go to the royal albert hall to this nice um global citizens awards ceremony which was really fun you know lots of celebrities there doing performances um i just don't think i've missed out on any social aspect um you know i just don't think there's anything anything to say badly about it to be honest brilliant well there we go we have a degree apprenticeship advocate on the line which is superb <laughs> did, did you find though that when you were exploring the opportunities that parents schools and so on were, were they kind of behind you straight away on it or did it take a bit of time to explain to them why you wanted to do it uh i think my sixth form my head of sixth form was completely a university person he was like i love my students going to university he was very like pushing it which is i think is why i lacked the knowledge and apprenticeships and i didn't know about them that much um my careers person they knew a bit about it but i think i actually had to do a lot of digging around it myself um but once once I told him, you know, the opportunity that I got from Cisco, he was really pleased to hear it. Um, but I just think that, I don't know, maybe they, you know, they are behind it. My parents definitely were. I think my dad didn't want me to go to university in the first place. Um, and he's always like, you need to go into the IT sector. There's so much going on. And I think I didn't realise that until last minute. Um, but oh, everyone was behind me after going. I don't think anyone anyone said it was a bad idea. And when I told like my nan, my uncle, everyone in my family, they're like, you've definitely made the right decision. And especially now during this pandemic, they're like, they can see that I'm really, you know, nothing has changed. You know, we're still putting on all that work, getting my university done, still everything's still um, a green light, as I would say. Fantastic. That's a great story to hear. Thank you very much. I think one of the things that, again, I, I find surprising is that um, many schools don't understand just how competitive degree apprenticeships can be as well. Um, and when you look at the stats, I think, you know, there's, there's well over 100,000 places for undergraduates going into Russell Group universities every year, but only a fraction of that for degree apprenticeships. Yaz, do you, do you see that when you're looking at the numbers that this is a really competitive route? It is. Um... Yeah, yeah, yes and no. So it, it is. It, it is very competitive because you're not only assessing somebody's ability to juggle right a, a degree and you know and, and and study the degree apprenticeship, but but also um, you know their ability to be an employee. So 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 it is it, it is competitive in that sense. But I I also think that you know it's more in my opinion in my humble opinion i think graduates coming out of university and trying to secure a role could be even more competitive because actually when you are as an employer recruiting right now for degree apprentices we are looking at the potential that an apprentice brings their mindset their ability um, to be a self-starter how motivated are they to learn we're not looking at where they've studied, the university they've been to, you know, and any of those things. We're, we're just really trying to see if they've got what it takes, right, to, to make it on the programme and if they're passionate about being in, in this sector and in tech. So I would say that it is competitive, but it's less competitive, I, I would argue, than, you know, once you've come out as a graduate at the other end. That's good to hear. Right, thank you. So maybe we could just explore the actual process then. So if I was a young person and wanted to join Cisco on a degree apprenticeship programme, what would I have to know? Where would I, where would I go? 
So it's, it's, it's a good question. I know there's a plethora of information out there. I think the Apprenticeship Career Service is a really good place to start because it shows you vacancies. But I think there's something before that that we have to collectively take some responsibility for. So I think careers advisors, teachers, you know, anybody that is responsible or influencing a, a young person's decision or thought process about what's next for them has to really help a young person understand, you know, what the difference between going down the graduate route and down the apprenticeship route, you know, it is a learning style. It's as simple as that. It's, you know, do I benefit from applied learning? Am I somebody that loves to have my nose in a book? Or actually, am I somebody that wants to YouTube how to do something, go try it, maybe get it wrong a few times, and then figure out how to do it, or that there was a much simpler way. And, you know, and, and it's as simple as that. So I think there's something around understanding what the spirit of an apprenticeship is. And I think that starts with your careers advisor. I think there's some great work that Ask Apprenticeships do around helping young people understand the power of an apprenticeship. And I think once you believe that and know that's the right decision for you, um, and you've taken the advice of your parents and the people that are in your, your, your kind of your, your journey, then you use resources like the Apprenticeship Career Service um, and, you know, the, the kind of the training providers out there to see what vacancies are available. Because once you know an apprenticeship's the route, then you've got to think, right, what apprenticeship? Um, and then to what level? And, and those kind of resources are really good to help you understand uh, that. Once and, and Cisco do a lot of work with kind of different bodies uh, to make sure that we're part of the awareness and part of the um, the story of this is what it means to be an apprentice and just to see if some of that messaging lands. And um, and when it does, you know, the recruitment process. I'm not sure if you want me to go into that, David. Um, I think it'd be really useful just to take overview because I think again. Yeah. Unlike UCAS, which is a, a single process for every university, pretty much, degree apprenticeships do do vary a lot, don't they, from place to place? They do. They do. Yeah. So I, I can talk you through the, the kind of the Cisco recruitment process per se. But I, I will say that, you know, lots of employers will have their own version of their recruitment process. Um, so we as Cisco, in, in the initial stages, we like to check that all apprentices and students meet our um, kind of eligibility and entry criteria that is set by the university provider. So that's, you know, being able to live and work in the UK and, you know, those kind of eligibility checks. We also like to understand why the person's applying um, to the apprenticeship programme, because we want to see whether they as people have done that due diligence. Um, so that's uh, that, that's the first thing we do. We then really feel passionately about this. We run an open evening um, discover event whatever it may be but we want the apprentice to learn everything there is about our opportunity and figure out whether this is for them or not so at that point we want them to have a screen out or screen in mental decision and that's why we invest so heavily in these open evenings and, and the time that we take to explain the apprenticeship because it's not the easy route right a degree apprenticeship is not the easy route you're juggling a lot it's a fantastic opportunity with high reward um, but it's not easy so we want them to understand all of that if they're in and they love it they automatically get invited to complete um 
a further assessment with us. At this point, we're not actually assessing ability or experience or competence in any way. We're actually just trying to understand them a little bit better. So the way that their mind works, the natural go-to, the natural go-to default they will have in certain situations. And the reason that we have that step in is to learn more about them, to understand, you know, whether or not they, they, um, I, I guess where they would land in our business should they be successful. But again, no decisions or screening out is made at that point. Then invite them to a telephone interview. And right now it is a kind of a WebEx telephone interview, like you know, very much like how we're speaking right now. And, and that is a chance just to understand how they show up is literally that how they show up to, to, in, in that process. Um, you know, there's there's been a bit of a dialogue at the open evening stage, but not enough for them really to open up about what this opportunity means to them and why. Again, throughout this whole process, we are not looking for experience. We're not even, if I'm honest, David, we're not even looking for grades. Like we always say, your grades don't define you. Actually, talk to us about the problems. Talk to us about how you narrowly potentially missed that deadline and what you did to bring it back or where you got given. I mean, I love hearing the stories in the recruitment process when they tell us in the interviews that, you know, they were predicted horrible grades and they think, oh, God, should I be saying that? Yes, Tell yeah. us and tell us how you turned it around, because that resilience and you dealing with that setback shows so much about your character that we want in our company. So we have a telephone interview. We will screen out at the telephone interview stage, just um, kind of based on the right behaviours and the right fit for Cisco, because at that point we've developed a good gut feel on whether or not you'd be right for Cisco. We then invite you to our assessment centres and the assessment centres, I would say, are the toughest part of the recruitment process. At the assessment centres, we're not trying to get the cream of the crop or make it overly difficult or try and hire, you know, graduate calibre apprentices. What we're trying to do, actually, is, is a number of things, the assessment centres. Are you passionate about technology, whether you are technical or non-technical, but is the tech sector where you want to be and why? And so we ask them to present on a technology area that they are passionate about and why. So we had one apprentice two years ago from your cohort, Melissa, talk about using technology to save the sharks, a dying ecosystem. And it was amazing. Last year, we had um, an apprentice talk to us about the use of technology in agricultural farming. Amazing. Like it's, it's that kind of stuff that we like to see. We no, carry on. Keep, I just, I'm, I, you know, what? I want to come and sit on your next assessment centre. <laughs> You're more than welcome to. So many people don't understand that digital and technology underpins every single sector there is out there these days. So whether it is healthcare, whether it is retail, whether it's pharmaceutical, you're going to find Cisco infrastructure digital just driving it, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, it touches everything. And I think the main thing for us is you have to be passionate about the impact that technology can have on people. Um, and, and that's how you know that you want a career in technology. Right. Um, and even if you're curious about it, the there's, there's two more parts of our assessment centre virtually uh, that, that run. So secondly, we have a role play where we ask candidates to go and learn a little bit about a piece of Cisco technology. We are not assessing their knowledge of Cisco there. Um, we are actually assessing their ability to go learn something brand new and come back and share it. So it's that, you know, they get some notice. How much pride do they take in that time that they have to go and learn and then bring back and, and, and replay back to us? That, that really is the true key for us. 
and then my favorite part of the assessment center are the one-to-one the -one interviews where we get really close to who they are like as a people leader i just want to know what getting the apprenticeship means to them and we get to see the person behind the candidate behind you know the entire recruitment process um and that's that's our entire recruitment process in a snapshot what well, melissa i mean heavens above you you went through that lot and you survived that's that, that's incredible <laughs> was it as tough as it sounds sorry say that again was that as tough as it sounds because listening to what yas has just described i'm not sure i'd want to go through it i think it, it was it's slightly different from when um i did it because we we didn't have a telephone interview i think but um the assessment center was definitely so so nerve-wracking i remember being on the bus going there and i was i don't know why i was so emotional um because i think i really wanted it so bad and preparing for everything and i remember them briefing us on the presentation that we had to do and um the role play and i was so nervous for them um but it's honestly not that difficult and i think once you jumped over one hurdle of doing that interview you had the adrenaline rush to go and go into all the others um it was actually quite quite entertaining and i did a few other assessment centers as well for different companies and they were quite similar so uh i was able to practice as well i'd say but it's not scary honestly and i think as yasmin said they're not really trying to they're not trying to trip you up. They just want to see genuinely who you are. And I think Cisco really look look to find people who are just passionate. And it's not about, you know, if a student has this set of grades because they could be like the most amazing and smart student. But when they're at Cisco, they might not excel that well. But someone who's just willing to learn has that passion. And you can really see it in them. Um, they just, they're not trying to trip you up, honestly. They're, they're so nice. And I think maybe they might ask you a, a difficult question, but it's how you overcome it and how you, how you tackle it. And yeah, it's not difficult, I promise. But David, to reassure you, we had, so Melissa, from your cohort, we had somebody that completely forgot their, their kind of their research and the learning that they'd done for the role play. And they walked in and just made impromptu kind of off the cuff conversation with us and then said, look, I'm really sorry. We hired that person because we loved their honesty, their bravery, the way that they built rapport with us. Um, and, you know, they're doing really, really well on programme. So it's not about performance. It's about the authenticity of the person in the process. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a really common theme. We, we had a couple of questions coming from careers advisors and, um, and one of them was, um, you know, what do you look for in, in applicants? And I think you've just summarised that really beautifully. But it does seem that there are an awful lot of, um, it's very easy to fall into the trap, isn't it, of over-preparing for these, when actually what you're looking for is that authenticity to say, is that person going to fit? Am I going to fit with them? Exactly. Um, and it's um, just, you can see, because we, we have a lot of applicants ask us, how do I be authentic? How do I? And yeah. I think it's something around, you know, if careers advisors could help uh, candidates that are going through processes on just, teaching them how to be honest about yourself and what you're good at and not be in sales mode, but actually showing moments of vulnerability in an interview is amazing, right? Because we, we get to see beneath the, the bravado and things like that. So I think that's the best advice that careers advisors could potentially be giving candidates or their students that are going through processes. Learn kind of who you are and how you want to represent the realness of yourself. And, you know, choose your moments of vulnerability. I'm not saying be vulnerable throughout the entire process but learn when to land those moments and when appropriate yeah that's good advice 
So one of the other things, of course, that's um, different between the, the, the road of degree apprenticeship versus university is, is the timescales. So in the world of higher education, everything's nicely lined up for an application form. That's not the case in degree apprenticeships. In fact, you've already obviously closed for this year. Um, so when should people be looking to, to you again if they're interested in joining? So for joining Cisco, we will go live for next year. So that's 2022's um, applications. Around about January next year is when we'll open early. Um, and then we will look to close again around end of February, mid-February. Um, the reason we do that, um, I guess, is because we we have our timescales because actually we, we build engagement throughout the year with schools and with colleges and, and we get them in early and once we know their interest and we know they're looking at that option we almost just want to get through the process and get it done as quickly as possible for them rather than having kind of very large volume based applications um, that's why we run to that time scale fantastic so is there a website a, a url you can give us where people could have a look and, and see uh, how they can connect with you to absolutely to yeah and there's also a register your interest kind of page um and something else we'd like to offer people is if actually the recruitment process sounds a bit daunting or they want to learn more about it or just be set up for success we run an external mentorship program which allows people to join a four-month program alongside their studies it's not too onerous where they're actually assigned a senior cisco apprentice mentor that will help them with their CV writing, how they show up to interviews, what their kind of introduction to themselves may be um, to help prepare them for any successful application, whether or not it's with Cisco. So we can share details of that after this. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Well, we'll obviously put a link to that on the Get My First Job website. Um, so Melissa and Yaz, thank you both very much indeed. It's been a fascinating conversation hearing all about Cisco, uh, the role of technology and also that incredible recruitment process. And Melissa, congratulations on surviving mm -hmm. that process and well done on your progress with the degree apprenticeship. Look forward to hearing more about it and your successes in the future. So that wraps it up for Cisco, but please join me next time when we'll be talking to Becky King, who is the Apprenticeship Lead at Microsoft UK. And as well as talking about Microsoft themselves, we'll be discussing the role of Microsoft's 25,000 partners around the country and the amazing digital careers that exist within that network. Thanks very much indeed. See you next time.